Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of Combat Sports, and there was lots of combats to discuss from the weekend. The great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for sending, you know, flying in your barber. Give me a nice cut. Um, <laughs> appreciate it. Gave you one too. Appreciate you lending them to me. Uh, flying all the way over here um, on your. Your plane comes in handy. Uh, have Have you gotten any calls lately? Any more interviews? You know, of course, you you had the the big one. Hopefully, people have seen it uh, in the what do you call it magazine? Um, Forbes. In the Forbes, Forbes will never be the same. But um, has GQ any of the other type magazines that would kind of be up your alley? I'm, I'm just you wondering. Know, I mean, I, I, they, would be, I mean, really, I couldn't. I, I don't know that I could handle my, that. My uh, psyche could handle such an honor as being in GQ. But do you know that? I don't even know if we ever talked about this. But I was in Esquire magazine in 2004. My friend oh, Tom Brown, who's a famous fashion designer when Bergdorf started carrying his line he's since been become huge he's dressed LeBron James Michelle Obama for the inauguration he um when they when he first started to get big I was buying his suits before anyone even knew who he was and Esquire said hey we want to write a big when you bought his suits he went (laughs) just I was in the right place at the right time so they said hey we want to write a profile and we want to do a story of you and some of your customers at the old Four Seasons restaurant not the hotel but the Four Seasons restaurant in uh, New York was like a media power player place and um, so I I have a big two-page spread here in my office called the all-american man of style where I'm standing there with my friend Tom Brown's suit on it was like my my most proudest moment ever (laughs) if I didn't if I didn't steal you over to podcasting (laughs) who knows I mean you'd be walking runways in um, you know Paris uh, somewhere. Nah, I, I'll uh, tell well, you this. I mean, it's possible. I mean, it, uh, um, has any of the television show, like the late night shows, has anybody, because you're going to that next level of stardom. I mean, a star if they, has if been the, launched. If the, if they call, they're going to have to book tickets for two because you know you're coming with me and you should know and everyone should know that I love you and I, I credit you with introducing me to the world and and i wouldn't be here i wouldn't be here without you and i hope everyone knows that i hope you know that and um i'll be forever grateful to everything you've given me hey thanks the i listen we have fun with this i'm happy for you i'm happy for you being noticed and being recognized and um the only way i'm going on a tv show is if it's the ed sullivan show Um, i don't i don't (laughs) think he's I don't think he's doing stuff anymore, at least not lately. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm a little tired. You might have to carry me today because by the time the fights ended last <laughs> night, we, I mean, we, we're working on a Sunday today. Usually we do it on a Monday, uh, but we'll still be up on Tuesday, our, our regular day, but to stay consistent with our fans so they know where we are. But, by the time the fights ended, one o'clock a.m., I got to work. I I actually put work into this. Um, you know, I do my notes. I I put my thoughts on paper, and um, it took to three thirty in the morning. So I'm I'm feeling a little you know a little tired. But you know what? You're gonna be proud of me. 
I grabbed my athletic greens. And um, boy. You know, it, it, it helps. It, it helps. And, uh, and then I see you and, ooh, it, you know, it, it, it picks me up. It picks me up uh, to see a, a good face and um, somebody that I enjoy seeing. It's uh, people ask me what is, what's it going to take to get you to come out of retirement again to train another fighter. You know what? Pretty simple. A good person. But Teddy, it's got to be dead. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, I think I earned the right to have that's going to be a decent fighter and make sense <laughs> professionally and all that stuff. You, you know, it's not like I'm going to be teaching Pee Wee Herman how to throw a jab. But <laughs> I mean, it, it's. It's got to be, really, the criterion for me, it's got to be a guy I want to be around. It's got to be a decent person. And uh, Well, Teddy, with all these that's, reality that's, that's stars. That's you're around me. That's with it. all these reality stars fighting, I just want to put it out there that if someone wants to pay us enough money, I will fight anyone for the right price. And, uh, Teddy, you can train me. We'll challenge anyone. Well, we'll have the to price talk has to be that. right. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that. I mean... It's one thing being your friend and supporting you. It's another thing getting in a freaking corner and, and having to be responsible for you coming <laughs> back to me. That's a big responsibility. Please, please. Well, All right. I know. I'll tell you one uh, thing. This, the show is going to be fueled today yeah. by our friends at Olipop. Check out their new crisp uh, fall flavor, crisp apple. There it is. Olipop for the win. I wash my athletic greens down with Olipop. Go to Drink Olipop. Use the promo code Atlas. They'll give you 25% off. Then go over to Athletic Greens. Use the promo code Atlas. And Athletic Greens will give you 10 free travel packs with your first purchase so you never have to wake up hungover or tired on the road. You always have your um, travel packs with you. Let's get into this UFC stuff, Teddy. We have a ton of action to cover. So I know you wanted to touch on a couple of these fights real quick quick before we get yeah, to I the, always uh, want to give my fans everything even if it's a flash you know flash hit I just want to yep. hit it flash bang boom boom bang, let's start boom, with bang. Waldo Cortez Acosta taking on Jared Vandera uh, Acosta gets the unanimous decision there pretty close decision 29-28 29-28 and 30-27 how'd you like that one uh, you just said it close fight not a real lot to separate them but in boxing, when it's close, the fighter who uses their jab usually pulls it out. And that's exactly what Acosta did in, uh, in a... That's in, well, the dog, the dog, it's okay. It's okay. This is a real show. This is a real show. And by and the way, like you said, Teddy, is, guys, it, it's a Sunday. That's why I My like whole you. family's you know here. I, yeah, it's a family show. And I'll tell you, that's just going to segue me into, into a real quick... Uh, telling about what I was talking about before, about fighters. There was a fighter that wanted me to train him. I said, I got to spend time around you. I want to spend time around his family before I would train him. And um, he couldn't believe it. He was like, you know, are we just going to be, you're going to look at tape, you're going to be, you're going to say yes or no. I want to see what kind of person you are. So I was spending a little time in his, in his house and I saw that his, he had a nice dog and, and his dog was a nice dog. And the dog was friendly and jumped on my lap and was really nice. So at the end of the time, they were, he was waiting to see whether or not uh, I was going to say yes. When I finally said yes, he said, what was it that, you know, was it? I said, the dog. The dog. <laughs> the, the dog. The dog liked you. 
that told me something. So there it is. <laughs> the dog likes you. I hope he wasn't barking because he was in pain and miserable. Nah, but she, she, my dog, if anyone rocks on the door, my dog goes crazy. She's scared of her own shadow. And then she, the people come in, they, she sniffs them and she goes away. But I just wanted to give everyone a heads up. All the kids are home. My wife's in there cooking. It's Sunday. They're watching football. So oh, I said no, to them, no. if there's any noise, put I'm going to come out here and me, yell. <laughs> of course. Well, put, put, um, so that's it. Uh, Acosta, in the last round, I thought really cemented it with the jab. So let's go. That's, as I said, flash, bang, boom, bing, king, boom, boom. boom. Tim, means, Tim Means loses a decision. Another fairly close one to Max Griffin uh, in the co-main. How'd you like it? Gritty, tough fight uh, by both men. Griffin had the edge in the battle of geography, and, and he showed a lot of dimensions to his game. I really like that. He really showed, you know, a lot of versatility. He could do a lot of stuff. Bang, boom, boom, bing, boom, bah. Main event, Calvin Cater in tough against Arnold, Alan Arnold on a 10-fight win streak in the UFC. This guy looks unbeatable. Um, obviously, Cater, unfortunately, suffers a knee injury. I always feel bad for these guys, man, but at least thank God he got to the ring, much like TJ Dillashaw. You don't know if it was hurt coming into the fight, but it was obvious when his knee popped out, it was gone. He did his best. These guys are so tough, man. He did his best to stay in there, but it looks like the second time it popped That's out, it was like much money as they could get. Give them a truck full if they could get it. Go ahead. Yep. But there was an exchange, and I'm curious to hear if you hear your thoughts on this and see if you saw it, where Arnold unloaded a barrage of punches where he was, it literally looked like um, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. It looked like Cater was on roller skates. He was getting battered from side to side. I mean, it, the, the, the power on the shots. He just got hit with three or four You're shots. You're talking about Allen. Allen. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Allen was just cracking him and knocking him from side to side. And I was like, my God, this guy has power. Like, unbelievable. It looked to me like it looked to me like it was it, it was going to be one-sided no matter what. But Cater suffers the knee injury. And uh, am I saying his first name? He's got two first names. Arnold Allen. I keep calling him Allen Arnold. Um Arnold Allen. Allen was just battering him, I thought, at spots and um, looked like it was going to be a long night for Cater regardless of the knee injury. But what would you think before we, the knee injury? What would you see there? Yeah, yeah these, we're seeing a lot of leg injuries. These guys take so much stress on their legs. You know, they're getting yep. kicked on the legs. They're, they're, putting, they're falling on their legs. They, I mean, there's, there's a reason why we're so, seeing so many uh, leg injuries. They, they do my type, type, you know, training. They do my type type fighting where they're cracking the legs um they're hitting the joints uh, very disappointing sad to see you know another leg injury and to see Kata um suffer uh that you know that kind of loss that way but i have to still credit alan for coming in with a great fight plan and executing it in the first round you know, he used his leg movement to set up his offense, striking with combinations. You talked about what you were saying. Yeah, combinations and pinpoint straight left hands from his southpaw position. Um, I was, I was, tell you, I was impressed just by that. Uh, these, these guys' legs, as I said, uh, they take a beating. They take a beating, but uh, Allen used his legs really to set up his offense to you know to get position uh to get the right angles and he 
you know, he was just, um, no matter, even, and I'm sure he's disappointed in the outcome that he didn't get to go the full tilt, but he was ready. He was ready. Like I said, he executed a great plan the first round, and uh, the rest of it is uh, history. The injury took place, and that's the end of the night. Well, there was one that you did. I don't think you saw. It was one of the first fights of the evening. Speaking of the leg injuries, um, Phil Hawes was in with Roman Dolades, Dolaze, and um, Phil Hawes, an incredible wrestler, big tough guy. They both had one loss each, and Phil Hawes got caught in a leg lock, in a knee lock, and uh, Roman popped his knee, and his knee popped like you could see the ligaments pop, and and. It was so severe that the um, the Roman let go of it and Dawes kind of react like, oh my God, my knee. And the, the ref stepped in, but neither one of them continued fighting. So the ref was like, all right, keep fighting. And it was clear that Hawes was on one leg. He made it through the end of the round, then came back out to start the second round and just got overrun. But same thing, just like Cater in the first round, he blew his knee out and he got back up. But when he popped it, oh my God, Teddy, he was caught there. I think they, if they're either heavies or light heavies, he got caught in this leg lock and the guy pulled his leg so hard that it popped and the opponent naturally let go. And 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 Hawes also reacted like, oh my God, my knee. And but neither one, neither he didn't tap, and the ref didn't stop it. So they were both kind of like, "Oh, we're still fighting." Like he's his yeah. knee just popped. Well, that's their but, mentality. They're they're so yep. you said it, Ken. They're so tough. They're a different breed. They have a code, a code of conduct, code of honor, and um, they're. I mean, if these guys were on a road trip driving a car and they got a flat tire, they'd probably drive for another 300 miles. Definitely, definitely. On the rim of the so tough. tire. All right, let's jump over to boxing now on the uh, Jake Paul and um, Anderson Silver undercard. There was a really entertaining fight to start the night. I love this fight. Le'Veon Bell shocked the crap out of me. I can't believe for for the lack of experience and the quality of boxing that I saw from him. Obviously, I'm not trying to compare him to a top-tier pro, but just the fact that he was in there is to stay in there with a guy as crafty and seasoned as Uriah Hall, who again isn't a boxer, but the guy's been a combat sports athlete since he's a child. And um, Uriah Hall gets the one-sided win over Le'Veon Bell, but man, I was blown away by the toughness of Bell and the poise to be able to take those shots and stay in there and keep facing the opponent. Like You'll see sometimes in these amateur fights, Teddy, right? The guy turns his back. He puts his head down. They don't know how to react to taking that kind of damage. And Le'Veon Bell stayed in there. This guy's got some real talent if he had stuff i like to say if this guy like a lot of athletes if he wasn't a football player and started boxing as a kid he's the real boxer he looked great uriah hall i thought had moments where he looked okay but he didn't seem to have that like you would always say punches are born they're not made he didn't seem to have enough on his punches to put Le'Veon bell away and if he had heavy hands he would have probably got the stoppage but i loved this fight i thought it was incredibly entertaining and uh how'd you like it I, I listen. I get what you're saying, but I disagree. Uh, I thought it was a one-sided fight for the most part. But I give props to Bell, as you just did, for showing great heart, great grit. Um, you know, great, great will. Uh, he, this is a guy. Bell's a guy. who was a great athlete. He was a great NFL running back, probably the best running back in the NFL for a period of time before yep. he sat out 
with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then never really had the same career anymore. Uh, he, he sat out a year, whatever he was, and then I think he wound up with the Jets. But uh, he probably he probably short-circuited his career by doing that. Uh, but there's a guy who was a cerebral runner. He wasn't just a guy that ran over you like an Adrian P Peterson. You know, he, he was a guy who would stop, he'd look in a hole, he'd switch, he'd... he'd, he'd go this way, go that, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about just trickery, but just where, you know, he's calm enough to see things where, which all top athletes have to be, uh, it's not enough just to have the athleticism, uh, but they have to match it with calmness, you know, that's part of the trick, and with, you know, being smart, how to use it in the right situations, in the right way, but he was a guy who caught my attention, as I said, not just as just an explosive athlete, but as a guy that was a little different, just a little different, his style was different, you know, he'd stop, he'd look, and then he'd go, and um, I think it shows that cerebralness, that that class, that um, uh, sophisticated way about him, and his style in the ring, how quickly he's learned, and, and just his style, his style to try to, you know, be more of a finesse boxer, not a run-you-over kind of guy that an Adrian Peterson, who he knocked out, by the way, in, in his prior fight, who, who would just look to use his physical strength. Uh, Bell, Bell is different, and it shows, and, and you picked up on that. But I still thought it was a, a one-sided fight, four to nothing, uh, you know, for Hall. And I give, I give Hall credit for... First of all, he's eight years older. Uh, yeah, he, he's been a veteran MMA fighter for all those years. Uh, so he had a big edge that way. But he did it in a very fundamental, simplistic way. He just used his jab, kept his footing, wasn't fast anything, but he was always balanced, always in position with his feet to throw solid punches. And not a bad puncher. I, I give credit more to Bell for having a good good enough chin and and enough heart to survive he got hurt he got he got dinged a few times his legs started doing the cha-cha a couple times uh when he got hit but he you know uh he survived and again Hall did it by painting by the numbers nothing complicated used the jab kept his kept his position had his legs under him uh, set up the right hand, you know, set the table with the jab, and then he ate with the right hand, put the left hooks in there at the right places, then used the uppercut really well down the stretch, uh, did a real good job the last round on the inside, really nice inside fighting. Uh, I was I, I was kind of impressed by it, putting punches together nice and short, uh, you know, uh, clean punches. I... I tell you, Bell picked a tough opponent in, in taking Hall. He could have picked guys, like I would assume, that were a lot easier than Hall. Uh, but again, Hall gets the job done real basic. I'd like to see Hall and Paul. We're going to talk about Paul and get into that fight. But I'd like to see, I know I know at the end of the day, Paul's going to go for the money, you know, with Nate Diaz or maybe Conor McGregor. Who knows? I get it. Uh, that's probably the direction he'll go. But if he don't go that direction, I'd love to see him in Hall. It would be a real, real interesting fight. Um, but anyway, that's that's what I saw. Uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, baby. 
Well, let's get into it with Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. There were moments early in the fight where I thought Anderson Silva was going to just take over. He started doing that old Anderson Silva routine, standing still, putting his head down. And it was funny because even when he did the try to do like the arrogant stuff with the hands down, I had the same exact feeling that... Um, that um, our friend Ariel Hawani mentioned. He's like, oh, I don't like to see this. He did that to Chris Wyman, and we saw what happened there. Once he, I feel like once these guys have been knocked out and knocked out in the manner in which Silva's been knocked out, like what happened to Roy Jones, et cetera, there's a bunch of them, is once you get knocked out, I feel like that's in that, that the potential is so much heavier there in the future. Let me interrupt you. you. I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Big difference. Big difference why his chin looks better than it did in the MMA. In the MMA, he was getting hit with four-ounce gloves. Uh, I mean, oh, now sorry. he's getting hit I wasn't, with 10 I wasn't suggesting his chin looked better. I was suggesting that I don't want to see him clown around because we've seen once he's been knocked out before, you have the ability to get knocked out again putting your hands down and clowning around and, te and and tempting someone to hit you right on the chin with your hands down is like a bad strategy. And Ariel Hawani pointed out, oh, last time he did this against Chris Wyman, he got put to sleep. But I thought he had moments where he looked really good, but man, credit to Jake Paul. He's improved every time I've seen him. I'm curious to hear your take on this, but he was landing some good overhand rights and uh, eventually knocked him down. And the other thing I want to say is, I can't tell you how many people this morning have texted me asking, do you think this was rigged? It looks like there's a phantom punch here. I said, if that wasn't a real punch that knocked down Anderson Silver, give him an Academy Award because for him to go down exactly the way he went down, when he went down, as the punch was thrown, number one was incredible. And number two, if that was an act, why even bother getting up then? Because it looked to me like he cracked him and knocked him down. It wasn't like a like he had him on Queer Street, but he knocked him down, knocked him off balance and sat him right down. But uh, a lot of people, a lot of conspiracy theories out there this morning saying it's rigged. What'd you see? Unless they did an editing during the, as, on the fly where they freaking, <laughs> where they spliced in different film on the fly <laughs> and... Uh, made a punch that we saw connect um, that really didn't connect and make it connect unless they did that or they did some David Copperfield crap um, that I don't know if David Copperfield could even do that. Uh, it's come on, please. Give Not me a only that, Teddy, but if you're saying a it's a conspiracy, give me a, wait, let me finish. Give me a different conspiracy theory. Don't give me that one. I mean, that's, yeah, if, and if you're going to say it's a conspiracy with Jake Paul to get that many people conspiring, so you get Ben Askren to take a dive, a Ty Tyrone Woodley to get knocked down face first, knocked out cold, stiff as a. This is just crazy well, talk. So, people so just don't accept that the guy's good. He's a decent fighter. And he's picking the right the opponents. Point, have we gotten to the point where we don't believe our eyes? Like, because we. Apparently. Because, it's not, because our eyes aren't telling us we, what we want to see. See, that's the human part coming out. That's that's the human part. Where Oh, we're not seeing what we want to see, so let's come up with a conspiracy theory, you know? But if it was what they want to see, hey, perfect right hand, right on the button, bang. You know, got the results. Um, so that's not worth talking about too much. That's Good. only worth talking out loud about because of the... The frailties of being a human being sometimes the you know sometimes the um the perils of being human that if you don't see what you want to see uh you, you your eyes suddenly uh aren't working right and and you start to question everything i thought I thought there was 
an amazing performance for a 47-year-old. Uh, now, usually at that age, you're not going to be able to really do what he did. And I know he's in there with a guy in Paul that started boxing a couple of years ago and you know only has a handful of fights and all, but he's still in there with a guy 20 years younger, a guy that uh, is bigger, you know, he had the advantage of weight and size. He he's like Canelo. He gets he's making the money. He's the golden goose, so he can make the fight at the weight that he wants to make it. That's just the way it works when you pay the big bucks and you make the big bucks. So he's fighting a legendary guy um, in silver, but forty-seven years old. And I give first of all, I give credit on both sides, silver did something extraordinary for a guy that age to be able to endure and then dish it out. And again, I know that people are going to say, well, who was he dishing it out with? You know, he's dishing it out, again, with a guy 20 years younger, bigger, strong, and a guy who, yeah, he doesn't have a great background or pedigree or length of time in this business, but he's dedicated himself in an earnest way, in an honest way, where he's gone and respected the sport and he's learned the sport. And you know what? You're not going to like this, you haters out there. He's getting better. He's getting, he's getting more comfortable in an uncomfortable environment. That's not easy to do. He's getting more comfortable inside that ring, he being poor. He's improving. Yeah, that's Teddy Atlas, 50 years, telling you in the business, he's getting, he's getting better. And I give him credit because he, again, he went out there and he worked his backside off and he's learning the sport the best that he can learn it. And he was smart. Should we hate him because he was smart enough to see an opportunity to make money, to do something, to do something successful? That's the American way. It used to be. It used to be. He saw an opportunity to make money doing this and then he worked to make that come true. He had a plan, and he executed the plan. And guess what? There's risk. Sometimes there's money risk. You know, like you, Ken. You go out, and you're, and you're going to take a risk, and you're going to say, okay, you know, we got to put this X amount of money in this financial venture, but there's a risk you could lose it. Yeah, well, he had a risk. He had a risk of emotionally getting embarrassed and physically getting hurt, and he he did. Did he pick his opponents and has he picked his opponents well? Hey, you want me to go down a laundry list of fighters in my business that have done the same thing, starting with Mayweather? And I know that they fought much better. I get it. But I'm just saying, they're supposed to be hated on for being smart, for picking the right opponents when they can. I mean, what's he supposed to be, a kamikaze pilot? Is that what he's supposed to be? That'll make you happy? All right. Give me Godzilla. And then after Godzilla, give me King Kong. <coughs> and then after King Kong, uh, see if you can see whether or not uh, Motha. Remember Motha? Motha, he fought <laughs> Godzilla. Motha, whether or not he's, he's available, if he's still around. Uh, I mean, come on. So I'm giving him credit within the context and the proper context of where belongs where that credit belongs uh putting things in proper perspective as far as silver this guy is extraordinary again 47 years old to do what he freaking did i i mean i'm gonna uh, other than there 
there are special fighters in my business in boxing that have done it. Archie Moore, he did it. Uh, you know, late in his late in his career, George Foreman, he did it late in his career. Uh, Bob Fitzsimmons, back in the twenties, he did it uh, when he was fifty years old. Could still fight at a, you know at a at a certain level, uh, but very rare. Very, very, very rare. And you have to be special. And that just speaks to the, you know, just validates how special Silva really is. It was a, it was a much better fight than people thought. It was a, it was a good fight. It was a contested fight. Uh, it, it was a, a tough fight. Who, who would ever thought that you'd be saying it was a good fight to watch? And I saw, I, I thought that Paul could have used the jab more. When he used it, he was better. He could have went to the body more. When he went to the body, he was better. He set up that knockdown in the eighth round by going to the body. If you're fighting a guy who's older, who's got an old body, I'm going to make it very simple, and is smaller than you, you should go to the smaller, older body. It's that simple. And he, he didn't do it enough, but he did it, and it got him the knockdown. He did it enough to be able to have the edge in this fight. I thought... It was very interesting what Silva chose as his strategy. He's a crafty guy. He's an experienced guy. He's a special guy. He's a winner. He could have chose to move around the ring, but 47-year-old legs, maybe he knew that he couldn't consistently do that. Kind of like Muhammad Ali realized in the, over in the Zaire in that fight with Foreman that he couldn't just box around them. He couldn't do it. So he laid on the ropes. He played the rope with dope. He broke them down that way. It was interesting to see the strategy that Silver chose, Ken. Silver chose a strategy to be crafty, but not by moving around and staying away as much and giving ground, but to come forward, to press, because he felt that he could break down. He could do two things. He could smother some of Paul's shots, and he could mentally break them down. He wanted to test Paul. He wanted to test him, and he tested him. So he chose a strategy that I don't know if I would have figured that he was going to do that at 47 years of age. I give him credit, and, and he pressed. And it made for a very interesting night because we saw Paul tested. We saw improvement technically. We saw more of a fluidity where he's doing his things in a more fluid ways now, where he's adding to his game. His repertoire is getting a little bit more extensive. I'm not getting crazy, but he's getting better. But we saw him get taken into those back rooms, into those dark rooms where he was getting hit enough and pressured enough where there could have been a collapse if he was collapsible. But he didn't collapse. He didn't collapse. He showed character. He, he showed he showed character. He showed that he could fight like a fighter and behave like a fighter. Paul did. And I give him credit for that. I give him kudos for that. I say bravo to both men. They put on a good show. I, I don't care about the haters and, and all that. And I didn't pay attention to the scores. I, I thought that it was a contested, tight enough fight. Um, I... I just by watching it, I wasn't scoring. Um, but and and they had enough moments 
you know, where both guys had moments. Uh, it was amazing at 47 years old that Silver could win the seventh round in that fight. He won the seventh round. Uh, I don't know what the judges have, but as far as I'm concerned, he won the freaking seventh round. And at 47 to to do that with a younger guy, you know, uh, that's pretty amazing. I just, I think you should give credit when credit is, uh, you know, warranted. And I think it's warranted to give both these guys credit. Uh, again, it's a testament to uh, the pedigree, the championship pedigree of Silva, his character and experience. But again, Paul showed character. And he showed that he's he's learning. He he's learning. And listen, when he says Canelo, he ain't he ain't beating Canelo. I mean, come on. Other people say things too to promote themselves. So we gotta hate him for that. No, he ain't beating Canelo. He's not beating that level fighter. I'm I'm not I'm not drunk on that Kool-Aid. But he uh, again, he's doing more than a lot of people ever thought he could do. Maybe even more than he, at first, thought he could do. And I'm giving him, I'm giving him credit, you know, for doing that. Uh, I don't know if he winds up, like I said earlier, with Nate Diaz next. Seems like they're building that. Maybe Conor McGregor. But it's... You know, he's earned the right to continue down this road. He's earned the right to stay on this train. You want to call it a gravy train? All right, go ahead. Call it a gravy train. But you know what? He's in a boiler room. He's in a boiler room. He's in a freaking engine room shoveling coal into the freaking engine. So you know what? (laughs) He's working. He's working. Okay? So I give, like I said, I think I said what I want to say. Um... I'm curious if you agree with me on that. Uh, oh, 100%. I think that I think that people have to stop um, tuning in, thinking that he's going to embarrass himself or not behave like a fighter at this point. He's going to be a fighter. At some point, he'll probably get in there with someone who's better um, from a skill standpoint, but he's not going to not behave like a fighter. He's shown that he could take a shot, come back. He behaves exactly like you said, like the way you would expect him to as a fighter. So... I don't know, I like watching his events. They're excited, they're, they're entertaining, and at the end of the day, that's what we want to be. I can think of a lot of pay-per-views that we pay a ton of money for, and the undercard, you wouldn't watch, I wouldn't watch it if it was on free on the in the middle of the day and I was home sick from work. The fights stink. Um, and some of these fights are entertaining. Like I said, they got the Le'Veon Bell, um, Uriah Hall yeah. fight that I really enjoyed. And again, again my, my cap on it, again, is that, you know, Silver is proof, to me at least, that obviously the body gets old, but character lives forever. You have character, it's 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 always gonna be there. I don't care how freaking old you are. And um that man has a lifetime of character, Silver. So yep. congratulations to you know, to both guys. Yeah, all right. Let's jump over to the Lomachenko card on uh, ESPN+. Plus. On the Loma undercard, we had uh, Richard Torres, Olympic silver medalist at heavyweight, was taken on Ahmad Samir Hefni. Um, and, man, 
man, unfortunately, my man Arthur McCanty didn't have the best of nights. I love Arthur McCanty, the referee, Arthur McCanty Jr., but man, he had a rough one. I, I just thought he was way too involved in the fight. It's hard for me to even be critical of him because I love this guy. He's he's a really good friend, but I thought he was way too involved. And uh, Torres eventually gets the one-sided stoppage in the third round. Um, Hefney gets stopped on his feet. Uh, Arthur eventually jumps in and waves it off. How'd you like that? What that fight? And what'd you think of um, Arthur's performance there? Well, I'm not gonna. I I didn't really for. I don't know if I wasn't paying attention as much as you. I just listened to what you just said, but he didn't catch my eye all the time. I mean, I go back with oh, him. Good. I go back with him when he he actually was out in Colorado when I was with Mike Tyson, a fourteen year old Mike Tyson winning the National Junior Olympics out there, and <laughs> I mean that's how far back. And and Arthur Junior was uh, an amateur referee. So, and and listen, he's got the bloodlines. His father was one of the greatest referees of all time. Yep. Uh, I think I, I think Larry Hazard was a great referee. I was down in Lenox City two weeks ago with my son, and I saw him as the commissioner jury. He was a great referee. But uh, and there's been some great one, Ruby Goldstein going back far. But and there's some good ones now. But and there's some that aren't. But other McCanty Senior was really one of the great refs. And again, uh, the bloodlines are there for his son. Uh, so I, I didn't catch any of that, that, that you're, you know, that you're talking about. He was um, just, a, some, Hefney kept holding and tying up with his arm, but I thought he was being a little bit strategic. He was in there with a very active Torres, and I thought he was just trying to be crafty and do some inside fighting. I thought Artie was just a little harsh on him, like he took a point for holding, but he kept jumping in every clinch instead of letting them try to work out or work from the inside. I just... I don't know. I'm glad that you didn't think because I hope it wasn't as egregious as I thought it was because I don't want to see I want to see Artie do a great job every time because I genuinely I love the guy. He's a he's a gentleman. I just thought maybe like let just I'll give him a minute. You, let the them work out. The only thing I saw maybe was trying to I, uh, now that you say it, I I see what you're saying, but here's where I read it. I read it from a a different point of view. I think he knew he was in overmatched. ESPN yes, I agree with that. Too many. They put on too many one-sided fights on the undercard. Way too many. Unfortunately, sometimes they even put them on the main event. I'd uh, argue, Teddy, them, that they're all one-sided. What saved them last night was that the main event turned out to be a good fight. But the undercard, uh, it's nothing but... It's, it's like feeding time at the zoo. I'm sorry. Exactly. That, that That's right. They, they got their, their... Really, they got their young, up-and-coming stars that... You know, that all Olympic medalists and all top amateurs, they signed them with that ESPN money and with the promise they're going to be on TV right away. And and they they just feed them raw meat. That's all they do. They, I mean, it's a joke. Don't even look at their record. Oh, he's 8-0, he's 5-0, he's 6-0, he's 22-0. It don't mean crap. It don't mean diddly squat. Because who have they fought? Wait till they fight somebody. And what are they getting out of it? Other than getting fat. Not fat in their belly, but fat in their records. That's what they're doing. They're fattening up their records. So I'm tired of it. So I really believe that Arthur McCanty, who's been around boxing his whole life, was born with, with a 
boxing glove instead of a rattle because of his father, <laughs> the great Arthur McCanny Sr., I think that he realized it was a mismatch, so he stayed close. He was staying close because he was concerned somebody was going to get hurt, uh, Hefner being that somebody. Uh, again, just I, I think someone will eventually get hurt. They keep putting on these one-sided freaking, you know, beat outs, beat downs. Somebody will eventually get hurt just to build up, just to build up. The fans, hey, they don't give a crap that that uh, you're, you're watching cannon fodder, that, that you're watching, you know, fireworks on the 4th of July, uh, you know, uh, where... Oh. You know what it reminds me of, Teddy? It reminds me of little kids in like a, like elementary school when the when the teacher has a snake in the ca- in the classroom like a big snake when I was a kid and they'd bring in every once a month or something like a rat and they'd put it in and everyone would sit around just waiting for the snake to jump on the mouse and that's what it's like like you said the feeding time at the zoo and guess what these guys you're not doing them any service by feeding them these easy vic- easy victims opponents because two things are going to happen they're either going to do what they're supposed to do great no big no big deal he knocked out a guy who was supposed to knock out or he's gonna eventually one of these guys is gonna a upset your guy or b your guy's gonna struggle with someone that should have been roadkill in which case you're not really winning anything you're getting a better record but you're not getting better your opponent your sparring partners were better or b you got exposed by someone who was supposed to be an opponent like well, I, I don't understand nice. the rationale wouldn't you appreciate just a tiny bit i'd appreciate if they didn't put these on on TV, but wouldn't you appreciate even a little bit if the commentators for once would put it a little bit in context, a little bit? I know they're howling for their meals, they're doing their job, they're they're getting paid by the network, they're getting you know they're partners with ESPN. Uh, I mean, they're getting paid by ESPN. They're partners with Top Rank, basically. But could they be a little tiny, honest, and and just put it in proper context once and say, hey, you know? The guy he's beaten is uh, kind of beatable. Uh, you know, he was kind of put here, uh, you know, to for this to kind of happen. Uh, we like Torres a lot. We like his style. We like his aggression. You know, he's a silver medalist from the Olympics. But, um, you know, uh, this, you know, this is not, uh, this is not really testament to how good he is. This was just a formality, going through the motions, building up the record a little bit, getting out there, you know, letting people see his stuff a little bit. But let's not go haywire over this guy. We like Torres. We think he's good. We project him to be a good fighter and an exciting fighter. But it's not because of this fight. I mean, the truth be told, these silver medalists, these gold medalists, these guys that are fighting on these undercards that you know, building their records up, they have fought much better fighters in the amateurs. They were used oh, to much. fighting top oh my God, uh, much. 10. They were used, this is a step down for them. They This could be a, uh, where they actually regress instead of progress, where they they step down, they take things for granted, and they get bad habits. I mean, really, because at least Teddy, when they were fighting guys, the amateurs, they, they were fighting, the, Ken, they were fighting the top guys in the world. And, and they had to be on their P's and Q's. They had to be looking to get better. They don't have to get better now. So I don't think it's served to your point, to my point. It's not even 
service, giving them a service, except that they're fattening their record. The next fight, Ramirez Romero. To me, same same thing. I mean, it went what nine rounds? Same thing. Yeah, but one-sided I would I'd argue there. One side, one sided. No, but no. Like, listen, like I said I know, earlier, I, he got ex- uh, he should have gotten that in. guy out of there. Yeah, well, Early. yes, but Ramirez, two-time gold medalist, not too many guys could claim that. I mean, Lomachenko does, but not too many uh, from the Olympics. But Romero was a last-minute replacement. Let's be fair. Let me be fair. But uh, come on. That's what we're watching again. Again, it's a one-sided fight. And Ramirez finally gets to your point. He probably should have got him out earlier. But he finally gets him out of there. I think it was in the ninth round. Um, Again, luckily Loma Ortiz turned out to be a good fight. Otherwise, more people would be leaving ESPN. Because a lot are leaving. A lot are leaving. Because they tell me. But more would leave. I mean, you know, the, the buses would be full. I mean, you know, it'd be like a shuttle service to to the casinos in Atlantic City, you know, where... Think you, about you that compared to, the, compared to UFC. UFC, you, if you want to fight in the UFC, your easiest fight was yesterday. You're not going to get any more easy fights. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. not going to get this kind of one-sided beatdown. Like I was saying to you guys, the first fight on the ESPN undercard last night, the kid who won was a $250 to $250 underdog, plus $250, and he wins. You would never get that in boxing. The, uh, no, this just, you wouldn't get it. And then uh, mm-hmm. let's jump into the main rare. event, Lomachenko. Unless, unless, some, unless somebody's standing outside the ring with like, like a tranquilizer gun and pop, they, you know, they, <laughs> they, they hit the guy, uh, you know, and the, the gold medalist or the silver medalist or the bronze medalist for 500 amateur fights fighting the guy that, you know, when, when he's finished getting knocked out, he's gotta, he's gotta go and, you know, deliver hamburgers somewhere. I mean, I mean, that's kind of what would <laughs> really, really it's, I mean, it's after a while it gets kind of, it gets kind of old. I get kind of tired because I got to be the guy that points it out. I got to be that guy. I got to I got to be the guy that when uh when they go on the loudspeaker, uh there's a spillage in aisle 9. <laughs> aisle 9, we have a mess. Would you please go clean it up? Okay, I'll be right there. <laughs> I mean, I'm tired of being that guy, Ken. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Take me out of here, please. Get me out of here, Ken. <laughs> yeah, main event. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko in with Ortiz. Um, yeah, I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this one because um, I'm I'm curious to hear. I know I saw some of your tweets. They're always super entertaining. I try not to look at them because I don't want to have my opinion skewed coming into the Thank you. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> coming into the fight. And when I do see them, I try to point it out. But you know, you mentioned someone looked like he got old overnight. Brennan Wood. Was, as long as you brought it up, Brennan Wood, my man. I got a great team. You know, with with Ian Mackey, Rob Moore, Brennan Wood, it just depends who's on deck that particular weekend. Brennan Wood was on deck. He got to the batter's box, and um, I'm lucky. I got all these guys ready to step in and hit for me. So, uh, we, yeah, so, we, so we did a we we got a lot of tweets out. We got a yeah, lot. Yeah, we of, got a good team. Got a good team, good people. I preach to people all the time: surround yourself with good people. Cut the BS out of your life. Jermaine Ortiz. 
Now, what I, what I want to know is, like I said, I saw your tweet, sometimes fighters get old in front of us, and I'm curious to know, really, do you think that, you know, Jermaine Ortiz, undefeated guy, earned the right to get in with Vasily Lomachenko, arguably the pound for pound, one of the best. I think that rating has slipped considerably. And listen, obviously, he's going through a lot of personal, um, you know, dilemma, his home, 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 his home country. They're, they're under Usyk, siege from with Russia. Usyk, everyone handles it yeah. differently. But Usyk's going through the same thing. Of course. And he just beat no, Joshua again. They all handle it differently. Yep, we never make excuses. I'm just pointing out all the facts. But credit yeah. to Usyk, too. Could These be guys are best friends. Usyk makes the trip over to MSG. Uh, that's where the fight was, right? At Madison Square Garden? At the yeah, theater? in the small theater, the hula theater. Isn't it crazy? Lomachenko, I just never understand how he's not more of a draw. I don't know what it is as, from, a, from a boxing skill perspective. He's as, good, he's as good as anyone out there. Maybe not the best anymore, pound for pound, but he's... Top tier, top top tier elite fighter at the and garden. It was watch. just, it was exciting just, to watch. It was just, it was just interesting bouncing from Jake Paul at the friggin' playing at a fighting in a Phoenix at a at a look what looked to be a full capacity stadium, you know where the where the Coyotes play in Phoenix, and then we go over to the theater at MSG, and which is a much smaller room. And anyway, Loma Loma's there, but like I said, Usyk makes the trip from Ukraine to support his countrymen. Uh, Loma was obviously there in um, in the Middle East when, when Usyk fought Anthony Joshua. These guys are very, very tight. But uh, Loma does enough to get the job done. He wins a very close decision, wins by a couple rounds. Um, what do you think? Was Loma, did Loma look worse than he did? Did he get old? Or was Jermaine Ortiz just much better than we had expected? And is Jermaine Ortiz someone that we should keep an eye on going forward? A combination of things. He's getting older. He, he's, he's, he's losing a... He, he's losing a step. He, he's he's getting 400 amateur fights, 35 years old, 34 years old, but in a lot of good amount of tough fights. Again, you don't you don't judge a fighter chronologically with his age. You judge him by the yep. amount of fights, the amount of punches that they've taken. Uh, 400, almost 400 amateur fights again. And, and tough fights in the pros. Came right out there, fought all tough guys, all top guys. Yeah, yeah. He a lot of fights. He was like a ghost, where you know you're you're trying to you're trying to touch a ghost and you can't touch a ghost. But now he's he's also gotten touched in his career, and now he's getting touched a little more. When you have a style like Loma, who's going to make the action, who's going to push the action, who's going to make things happen, who's going to come forward, and he's going to he's going to force you to throw at him, he's going to make you miss, and then he's going to make you pay. When you're doing, your timing has to be impeccable. Your reflexes have to be perfect. They they have to be tuned up like, like a Ferrari race car. They got to be, when they're off just a little bit, just a little bit, bang. Instead of just missing a punch, you're just getting hit with the ball. He was just getting hit with some punches he normally don't get hit with. Uh, part of that, is it age? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, I think, uh, it happens to everybody, but part of it was an inactivity. Yeah, I think that you could put that in there, uh, throw that. But a big part of it was also the fighter, Ortiz. Let's give him credit. Let's give him credit. This is a kid, a young kid who had his moment, and he believed in himself. A lot of fighters go into a moment like that saying they believe, you know, uh, hoping that they can win. This kid went in believing he could win. Now, I'll tell you what the X factor was. He was a spawn partner with Loma, and 
He learned. Here's the danger of fighting a guy who's your spawn partner or used to be your spawn. Ask Muhammad Ali with Larry Holmes. Yeah, Larry Holmes was a spawn. I know Ali was an old Ali. I know that that he he lost weight the wrong way. I know he had a wacko doctor that that had him on freaking medication that made him lose weight. That was thyroid medication, and the doctor should have been thrown in jail. And Ali never should have been in a ring. Incredible man, Ali was. Even to be able to get in the ring that night with Holmes. People have no idea of of the kind of physical condition he was really in. But Holmes had been a spawn partner of Ali, and Holmes knew he could win. I mean, thyroid medication aside, he knew that he could win. He knew he could beat this man. He believed it. A lot of guys go into fights hoping they're going to win the fight. Yeah, I, I believe I'm going to win, but I hope I'm going to win. The, I hope I'm going to win. No, no. It's a difference when you go in there knowing. And when you're a spawn partner for somebody, you get enough information from that guy, enough confidence from that guy, sometimes, unless you get a beat down, you get enough. But if you're a skilled enough fighter and you did decent with that guy, with that guy who's the veteran, the guy who's the champion, the former champion, the guy who's the top guy, the guy who's the man. When you're the spawn partner, here's the thing that gives you an edge, that the guy who's the man, the Ali, in this case, the Lomachenko, has a disadvantage because they're at a point in their career, they're not getting better. Ken, they're not getting better. Lomachenko's at a point where he's great. He ain't getting better. Muhammad Ali wasn't getting better. But the spawn partner is getting better. Larry Holmes was getting better. He was getting better from that experience. He was getting better from that confidence, from that belief. He was getting better. And you go into the fight benefiting from that, where the guy you sparred can't get better. He can't benefit. He can't benefit. That was an X factor. Nobody talked about that X factor. Nobody. Only here you're going to hear it. And it showed. For me, it showed that, um, that, again, that was one of the variables where the kid went in there having had sparred with Lomachenko, the great Lomachenko. He knew he could handle himself. He knew he could win this fight. And it showed. He didn't fight like a guy that was hopeful. He fought like a guy that when he got tested in the middle rounds, he fought right back like, no, you're not going to talk me out of this. No, you're <laughs> not going to convince me I don't belong. That, <laughs> there's, a a power to to, there's a power to knowing you belong, to knowing you can rely on yourself. And that comes with experience. That comes with action. That comes with going through something, facing something. And what he went through in camp and what he learned in camp with Lomachenko gave him that. That was a big edge, a big edge for him. He used, he used, he was a bigger man. You could see the size difference. He was a bigger man. He was longer. He was taller. He fought, he, he controlled the outside. He controlled range really well, Ortiz. And he made it very difficult. We know Loma starts slow. He made it very difficult for Loma to do what he has to do, which is come in and get to him. He, he caught him on the way in. He timed him on the way in. As I said, he knew that he needed to control that geography of the ring on the outside. And for the most part, he did it. And then he got a lead. And then in the middle rounds, when Loma started acting like Loma, which you knew it was coming, he fought back. Again, he didn't concede. He didn't spit the bit. He came right back and said, no, no, I like, no, no. I like what you said I'm gonna there come about, right you're back. not going to... 
I like what you said there about, you know, I'm not going to let you talk me out of this. And I think a lot of times people, even, even the voices in their own head, I always think you have two voices, like one voice that's telling you, take it easy. Let's take a shortcut, quit. And another guy saying like, we know what's right to do. Like the Teddy Atlas voice, like, listen, even if you can get away with cutting corners, you're going to know this for the rest of your life. Don't do it. So those voices, and I like what you said about telling the, telling the negative voice, like, you're not going to talk me out of this. I know I'm better than this guy. He might have got a few rounds, but I know I can beat him. I love that narrative. That's a good, that's, I, I never thought about it like that. And thank you. And look, he, again, you're, you know, you're going to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. He, <laughs> he was going to, he was going to have to, go through some tough waters, some tough moments, you know, uh, some difficult territory if it was going to happen. And he went through it. And he behaved the way that a guy needs to behave if he wants to become that guy. And what Loma wasn't doing enough early, and, and he was only doing it sporadically, and he started doing it more later, and I tweeted this. He didn't use his jab, his southpaw right jab. He didn't press behind that enough. He he was he was coming and moving his head, but he should have used the jab to block the vision, to make it to obscure the vision of Ortiz, make it difficult. As I used to say on ESPN, put bugs on the guy's windshield, make it harder for him to see you coming, to deal with you coming. He should have used it, and when he used the jab, Loma, it was better. It was better for him. And another thing, he should have went to the body more. He should have went to the body, and he started later, and that's what turned the fight around. And I felt that Loma was accepting clinches on the inside too much. He should have been looking to open up on the inside and not accept the. Well, guess what? When when push came to shove, and the time came, Loma started doing those things. Started pressing behind the jab. He started going to the body. He started punching on the inside, fighting, not accepting clinch. And down the stretch, the championship rounds, as people like to say, that's where Loma took the fight. That's where he grabbed the fight back because it was a close fight. That judge that had it 117-111, put him in jail. Put him in jail. I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> put, put him in jail. Get him out of here. People are I don't crazy. want to Put him out. Put him in jail. Put him. In, don't let him judge no more. Really? Why would you <laughs> let him judge again? Why would you? I don't want to hear it. Why would you let him judge again? It's basically Why? he's Why? telling the world like, Why? "Hey, I'm because, for hire." Why? Because you control the guy. I don't know if someone controls him, but I tell you one thing: it don't look freaking good. It don't look good. It's, well, his scorecard is telling the world, "Hey, someone controls me. See if you can figure out who it is." Because that guy clearly good. didn't see I'm the not same saying fight. I know that. I don't know that. We don't know that. But it don't look good. And and then at the end of the day, uh, Loma, but Loma took things in his hands. He did pull the fight out. He it was no one seventeen one eleven, but he he pulled the fight out down the stretch by going to the body by the, all the pressure was putting on all night. It it started to. It started to pay dividends against the younger fighter who'd never been on that stage. Uh, all the pressure and the experience that Loma had. You know, the, the age was a detriment in spots, but the experience wasn't. The experience was the cavalry coming over the coming over the hill. Here comes the cavalry, Ken. They're coming. They're coming with the horses, with the guns, with the backups, with the supplies. Here they come. The experience was his cavalry. And and it saved, it saved Loma. That pressure, that experience, and the championship character. The same character I talked about, Silva, earlier. Lomachenko has that championship character. And, and that was on display when it had to be on display. And he salvaged the fight.
and he pulled it out. And he and he won a tough, interesting, good fight. And Ortiz helped himself, even with the loss, because he's on the map now. People know that he belongs. He knows he belongs. He'll look at it and say, you know what? I blew it down the stretch. I let this guy's experience get to me, the pressure get to me. Yeah, and he'll get better from it because he'll realize it was my choice. It wasn't Loma's choice. It felt like it was Loma's choice, but it was my choice. It was my choice to do more or to let Loma do more. It was my choice. It wasn't his choice. So at the end of the day, I found it a good, interesting fight. And I, right now, as much as I love Loma, that if he's going to fight a top guy, he better do it right away and, and not wait any longer uh, because the clock has ticked and it's still ticking and if he was to fight Haney and that's the best chance Ken Haney's the best chance because Haney was forced to make a deal with top rank in order to get the Cambosas fight to leave Hearns temporarily leave Hearns and then go with top rank because that's the way it works in boxing he was forced (laughs) to do that so now he's over on that team so because he's over on that team with top rank now he could get that fight with Haney I mean with uh with with Lomachenko so the best shot because of that is seeing Haney and Loma that's going to be a tough fight for Loma by the way Teddy did you see the size difference when 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 Haney got in the ring with Lomachenko Lomachenko even looked at him and says you're a lightweight I mean Teddy he looked he had to be 170 pounds yeah, he looked, I, I, wait I, I, on. He looked like a friggin' giant next to Lomachenko. No, no, I know. Lomachenko he's a bigger, look, look, a lot, everyone's bigger than Lomachenko. Lomachenko started at featherweight, went to junior lightweight, went to lightweight. So let's not forget that. Hey, look. I, uh, I know, but Ch- how big Ch- did Haney look? I, I'll tell you. Well, Haney for a skeleton had a lot of meat on those bones. Had a lot of meat on those bones. <laughs> no doubt about it. And he is bigger. And listen, that and he's good. And he believes you know, he won't be finding out late in the fight. He already knows late in the fight what he has to do, what he can do, and that he can rely on himself. Where Ortiz wasn't quite sure yet, wasn't quite cemented in that way now. Now he might be, but he wasn't then. He hadn't had that valuable lesson yet of going through the fire. Uh, Haney, Haney knows the answers to those questions. That, besides his physical ability, besides the size, his ability to control the outside and time Loma coming in. That will be an interesting fight and a tough fight. Hey, the tank fight would be a hell of a fight. The 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 um uh Ryan Garcia would be but those guys aren't on the team. They're not on that team. So you know what? Fans, too bad. We're out of luck. But the Haney would be nice. You know, it's kind of like. I think you're going to get you know, that. By, I really know, think that we're going to get that. Well, you I will do. because he's on the right team. It's. Yeah, it's kind of like in the old days, way back in the day when the when the fellas ran things, you know, in the neighborhoods. And if you wanted, if you wanted to have a cigarette machine or jukebox or you know a, a, a ping pong machine, what a, a pinball machine, any vending have, machines, yeah, any vending. You want to have them in? You better use uh, the fellas' machines. Uh, you know what? Yeah, you better use those machines. Uh, same thing with boxing, and it, the only difference is your store's not going to get firebombed. But but <laughs> hey, but you, you're not going to disappear. Uh, look, 
But but a lawyer, yeah. But a <laughs> but a lawyer show up and knock on your door and hand you a piece of paper. Uh, you got to be in court on the eighth of uh, of the eighth of this date uh, of this month. But yeah, that's if you're not with the boys, if you're not with the fellas, if you're not with the right team, you ain't getting a fight. We ain't getting a fight. We we the fans, we're not that's getting right. it. So that the Haney Lomachenko fight will probably wind up getting it. Uh, it'll be very interesting. Uh, uh, it'll be an awful tough fight for Loma, but you know what? It'll be a tough fight for both guys. Yeah, you mentioned about Muhammad Ali and the um, the thyroid medication. I would say this: that's such an easy answer for people looking to look looking to lose weight is to take a thyroid medication. Number one, because it works; it's foolproof. Thyroid medication yeah, makes you lose weight. Should, a doctor shouldn't be doing that. God, God no, hundred percent. It's listen. What I was going to say is the other risk that comes with it is when you start taking thyroid medication. The famous one is levoxathyrin. When you take thyroid medication, it basically suppresses your natural production of whatever thyroid y- 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 your brain is releasing, wherever it's wherever it's uh, manufactured and released into your bloodstream. When you take thyroid medication, if you don't know what you're doing and under the not under the supervision of a doctor, and you don't need that medication, you'll be on it for the rest of your life. So this isn't something you play with. Like, so to your point, like he was with a shady doctor, like, yeah, anyone given thyroid medication to someone who doesn't need it per prescription by medical diagnosis is an idiot. So that's number one. The other thing I wanted to come back to was you mentioned about great fighters in, in a Ferrari, like a fine-tuned Ferrari engine. And there's so many examples I can think of. And one recently who I don't, I don't think we would describe him as like a super elite fighter. But I think of like Pauli Malignaggi reminds me of this fighter. He was so, when he was on, he was quick. He was fast. The minute he lost the step, it was like he was getting banged around all the time. And, and, and to, a, and to a, another extent, Roy Jones. When you're so good and so elite and everything's clicking, like you've said before, Roy Jones could get away with things because he was so athletic. The minute he lost a split second on that first step, he was getting caught doing the things that he wouldn't shouldn't have been doing in the first place, but his athleticism let him get away with it. That was such a good point. When that engine isn't clicking on all cylinders, that car isn't going to be what it's supposed to be, and the driver thinks it's going to behave like the same Ferrari, and it ain't. When those when those cylinders are off slightly, you're not breaking in the at the right point. You maybe you're going wide in a corner. Same thing with the fighter. When you're not pulling back like Anderson Silva, you could put your hands down in the early days and tease someone with your chin out. Well, when you lose a split second, Chris Wyman clips you and knocks you out cold. So I like that. I like that uh, analogy you gave. I think it's perfect description. And the more elite the athlete, like a Lomachenko, the more precise that engine has to be tuned to perfection. Spoken spoken brilliantly by a man who owns enough Ferraris that he would know <laughs> exactly what he's talking, what I'm talking about, and reflecting on it because his Ferraris are always highly tuned. He's got a mechanic <laughs> on call 24-7, and if any of them, any of them, if there's one spark plug that's a little off, boom. That spark plug is out, chucked in the garbage pail, and replaced. My man. 
But I think it's What's more next? pronounced. The more elite the fighter, the more el- the more obvious those slight little flaws are in their game. And uh, unfortunately, 100%, like you said, 100%. and and no, you're listen. It's that's why I said it. It's true. And 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 you mentioned Paul Malinaji. There was another thing. He didn't have that power, you know, to fall back on. Where yeah, you know, like George Foreman when he was older, he still had the power. You know what I mean? That 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 exactly. Didn't, that didn't disappear on him. And Paulie had to depend only on his guile, his wits, you know, his technique, his cleverness, his speed. But but when that stuff started to erode and started to leave, uh, again, you know, he didn't have the gift of that power, you know, to to come and save him. So anyway. Teddy, that's all we got from this weekend. We got a good one coming up next weekend, though. We haven't talked about it, but Dimitri Bivol is in there with Gilberto Ramirez. That's going to be an entertaining fight. I think Ramirez is a good fight. He's just been inactive, had contract disputes, but I'm curious to see that fight. Uh, Bivol coming off that huge win over um, Canelo. You know, I think that Ramirez fight is going to be, that could be a very entertaining fight. I think Bivol gets it done, but... um, I'm looking forward to it. I love the light heavies. There's some real talent in that division. What do you Listen, think on that one? That, yeah, that's an interesting fight. Um, because A, Ramirez hasn't learned how to lose yet. And either has Bevo. Uh Bevo, of course, has beaten, you know, Canelo. And everybody suddenly thinks they discovered a, this fighter. He was always this fighter. You know, he, he beats Canelo and now all of a sudden, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. He's That's a per- perfect description. He's an experienced amateur guy that had all kinds of 200, 250 fights, whatever. Um, you know, and so he, he's got the pedigree. He's got the experience. He's got the style. You know, he's a smart fighter. He controls range. He has decent athleticism, good athleticism. Uh you know, like I say, he's got a good IQ. Uh, he, you know, he, he can do a couple things. If he's got to fight you, he can fight you. He is a, you know, he does have that capacity in his mentally in his makeup. But he likes to box. He likes to control the outside. Um, but he's not a real busy guy. Ramirez is a real busy guy. Here, here's where, it's, and he's a guy who's not a natural light heavyweight, Ramirez, so he's moved up in weight. He started at 168, now he's a light heavyweight. So Bevo's the bigger, naturally bigger guy. But Ramirez is a southpaw, and Ramirez, for what that's worth, that, that can always be worth something, and he's a really busy, confident guy that throws a lot of punches. Bevo depends on rhythm. He does. He gets into a rhythm, and it's hard to get him out of that rhythm. Canelo couldn't get him out of that rhythm. Ramirez has the kind of style with the amount of punches he throws that if he can get around, around where he can get in gear, especially early, he could throw off the rhythm, the timing of Bevo. And if you throw off the timing and rhythm of Bevo, you know what? You're into something. You're possibly into something. Something that you have to be in to to beat such a good fighter, to be quite frank. So I I don't think it's such a slam dunk. A lot of people do think, especially after he beat Canelo. And he's a really good fighter, people. But I don't know if it's that much of a slam dunk. Ramirez goes to the body well. 
I would go to the body if I was fighting Beaver because he uses his legs well. I would try to take air out of the radials. You know, slow him down a little bit. You know, don't chase his head. Go to the body, then get the head later. Again, Beaver, for all of the things that he's good, for all his accolades, and there's a lot of them, he does enough to win. He doesn't waste anything. That's an attribute. But it can also be a problem. Because there's a door that can open where you could get out, outworked, out-hustled. He does enough to win. He's, he's pretty, kind of like a Haney's pretty. You know, he's, he's concise, uh, Bevo. He's all of those things. He's good. But he doesn't waste anything. And he doesn't throw a lot. Ramirez throws a lot. And if Ramirez again can have a chance to get into sync, to get into the proper geography, because he's going to have to find a way to take that geography away from Bevel. Bevel's going to look to own the outside. He's going to look to own that. And then when you come in, he's going to look to catch you coming into his neighborhood. And then he's going to change to another neighborhood again. And when you come in that neighborhood, he's going to look to tattoo you again and then if you get confused he's gonna get off first he might even back you up a little bit but if so Ramirez is gonna have his hands full negotiating that distance getting into that proper neighborhood but if he can get into that neighborhood and start getting into rhythm with the amount of punches that Ramirez throws wow it could be interesting it could be interesting yeah, Stay that's a great tuned. fight that isn't getting enough uh, talk, enough promote, promoted properly, at least not where I'm sitting. But nevertheless, uh, New York City Marathon next weekend. I'll be up there cheering some friends oh, on. I'll, yep, I'll be up there if anyone wants to run. I'm going to post on Instagram, Teddy, that I'm going to do some uh, sat Friday and Saturday in, morning shaker. Are you in that no. marathon? No, oh, not again. I, I'm gonna just. I'm just gonna be watching, but I'm gonna do some. Um, I'm gonna do what's some running. What's the matter? You're too before. good. They t- what's the <laughs> matter? Old. You're too good. They, they, too old they, and they, too they, tired. You're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I need a break after Berlin and Chicago. That's enough for one season. Uh, you, um, you, you earned it. You earned it. There's, there's actually, I think there's a 5K the day before that I might try to jump in, see how fast my old legs can carry me over three miles. But um, I'll post on Instagram what I'm going to do for um, easy jogging the day before. If anyone wants to join, I was going to tell a bunch of people. Uh, people have been asking if they could run with me. So I said, I'm going to do one on either Friday or Saturday morning before the marathon. And then uh, what are you going to be for? Halloween tomorrow. A grandfather. That a boy. <laughs> a grandfather. There's, Best in the there business. it is, Ken. Gonna take my beautiful grandchildren. I miss my grandson over in Vegas. I wish he was here too. But my two here that live with me, my little granddaughter just turned three, Mara, and my best buddy in the whole world, Joseph, who just turned five. Uh we will we will be going out. And we will be knocking on doors and saying, trick or treat. <laughs> Smelly treats, no, treats, no tricks, please. Treats, no oh, tricks, that's great. please. It's a lot of excitement here. My kids are right in the sweet spot for Halloween. They're 12, 11, 9, and 7. They're super excited. So we've got a oh, uh, bunch of 
got a bunch of Spider-Mans this year. They're all different uh, different versions of Spider-Man, so we're excited. And it was nice oh, yeah, to um, get this done on 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 a, on a Sunday, so we can be ready to get hyped up for Halloween, second to Christmas in this house. The kids are so excited. But um, thanks for doing this on a Sunday. Of course, thanks to Rob and Rob Moore and Sam Rivera for their help in the background doing this on a Sunday. Appreciate everyone, and um, thanks to all the fans. Please follow along, subscribe, like the show. Teddy and I will both be at the... Are you working the UFC fight, the, um, the MSG show on the 12th? Are you working that yes, for ESPN? Yes, I am, and I'm blessed... I'm working with the great Charlie Monaghan. I'm, I'm working that show for ESPN. And I'm blessed because my son, Teddy, and his family are flying in. And they're going to stay for the foundation dinner, the Dr. Atlas Foundation dinner, oh, which great. is like five, five days later. So That's Teddy's right. going to come to the show with me. And uh, we're going to see you guys, you and Rob, yep. uh, That's right. there. And I, yeah. I look forward to that. And um, I'm not... Again, I'm not going to sign autographs in Ken's name. You're going to have to get Ken <laughs> himself to do that. Yep, we'll be, we'll, we'll, the whole team will be at that fight on the 12th at MSG, cheering on our friend Dustin Poirier, fourth, third member of the broadcast team. So um, look for that. If you're in the New York area and want to come to the fight, look for us there. We'll talk more about it next week. And but cheering for, now, for our buddy Adesanya, too. Of you course, know, of course. Israel he, Adesanya. And, and his trainer, Gene, and his trainer, Gene, who's yeah. a good, good, good trainer and a good man. Yep. And uh, yep, and, and like you said, Thursday night after that, the seventeenth, we'll all be in uh, Staten Island for the Doctor Atlas Doctor Atlas Foundation dinner. So um, look for more information on that next week, and we look forward to seeing all the people in person in New York and Staten Island. And with that, everyone have a great rest of the have a great week, Teddy. Enjoy the rest of Sunday. I hope all your teams win, and uh, great seeing you. Great seeing you, Ken. Give my best. All my love to your family. Have a great Halloween. Everybody out there, have a great Halloween. Trick or treat. Have a safe Halloween. And uh, thank you all for being with us. Thanks, guys. Take care.